This is how the Barnhart podcast rolls. It's just one just ginormous stream of consciousness. Welcome, welcome to episode 126, 127, we're not exactly sure, something in that general area of the Barnhart podcast. Um, special edition today, as you can tell, we are we are super nerdless, but we have a special guest on the podcast today. Um, this is a friend of mine from way back, and now a flight surgeon, and uh my man has one or two things he'd like to say about the current situation. Also, praise God, uh, just recently, over the summer, right after the lockdown, entered the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. So this is going to be a super dynamic uh, conversation. I know it's going to be awesome. And um, I didn't even ask you, flight surgeon, Did you? Uh, do you have a preferred gnome de guerre that you would like me to refer to you as? You could. You can just call me Doc, uh, or or you or my first name. It's fine. Okay. All right. Doc. Um. Yeah, I don't care too much. <laughs> At this point, it's. <laughs> At this point, they're, they're gonna get it. They're gonna get us all. I'm not not gonna hide much. Nope. All right, Doc. Well, welcome. Uh, it's wonderful to talk to you. And um, yeah, I guess for having me on. No, oh, it's my pleasure. And I guess just opening it up, we should start with you just kind of explaining to everybody who you are and what your situation is. And I've already, I already said that you're a flight surgeon. But if you want to just kind of go over your your curriculum vitae, as it as it were. Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated medical school a, a while back. Uh, I've done some time in the military. Uh, like you said, I worked as a flight surgeon for a long time, got some deployments under my belt, have quite a bit of experience sort of traveling all over the world, seeing a whole bunch of crazy stuff, uh, going interesting places with interesting people. So I have a lot of experience with travel medicine, infectious disease, tropical medicine. Uh, although I will say up front, I am not an infectious disease expert. I'm not a virologist. I'm not a microbiologist. I've I have exposure to all of those things throughout all my years of training and 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 whatnot, but uh, not, I guess you'd say. Well, I'm no Anthony Fauci. I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's too easy. That's too easy. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness! But yeah. <laughs> what's so, your yeah. area of practice right now? So I am in internal medicine now. I'm actually uh, finishing up. I, I, I finished my time in the military, uh, coming back now uh, to finish my training to become board certified in infection, or I'm sorry, in, in internal uh, medicine. And I'm just about finished with that. Uh, so I'm kind of, this is almost like a second career that I'm, I'm sort of going through right now. Uh, and I'm almost done with the, the training for that. But I have an entire other career that happened prior to this uh, board certification thing that I'm on now. Nice. Okay. So the question everybody wants to know, have you done anything? Have you been in a COVID ward? Have you dealt with any of this at all? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I have spent, uh, well, basically since March, we've we've been on, on COVID mode in the hospital. I've spent in, uh, in a good solid month. I was in the dedicated COVID medical ICU, the intensive care unit, uh, and I have taken care of 
patients in other COVID units uh, outside of that. So quite a bit of exposure. Actually, we're a, a very large hospital system. Uh, so outside of sort of the absolute biggest cities in the new- Northeast and on the coast, I, I feel like I have probably uh, as much or more experience with this uh, this whole situation uh, than probably most people uh, that you will talk to in the medical field. Okay, so what do you say? Is this is this just abject BS, or what? What do you think? So it's you know it's really hard because what in modern medicine we have sort of this. Uh, we worship at the altar of evidence-based medicine, uh, to I think to a fault, where we basically look at what comes out in the journals, we look at what the experts are telling us, what the, the quote-unquote evidence, which there's all kinds of levels of that, but we, we base everything that we do say and think and allow ourselves to think uh, based on, on, on what we're being told by the New England Journal, uh, the, the, the different uh, associations in each state and across the across the United States. Uh, and they would, what, ne- and they would never have, ever lie. Would they, they, they would never, ever, oh, ever no. lie. There's, there's never any, <laughs> any kind of agenda. Or oh no, 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 yeah. no. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely not. Mm, uh, mm. I, I, I'm a, I'm a true believer, but, uh, I would <laughs> never. <laughs> um, listenership. And in, in case you can't, in case you can't tell, we're being extremely facetious and sarcastic right now. Sometimes you just have to make that clear yeah go ahead yeah uh so i will say this so my my throughout the course of the last year my sort of personal take on this has has adjusted as i think a a normal healthy person who looks at the world in a logical way you're you're going to take in new information you're going to adjust your your take on it uh when this first started it first started off we're getting news reports out of china we're seeing all these very fantastical displays of people collapsing on the street mm-hmm. and dying and convulsions and being, you know, people being locked up. It all seemed like a giant movie set to me. Yep. I didn't buy it. I thought, okay, well, this is the Chinese just playing games. Yep. And I still think that to a large degree. I think that's exactly what this is. If you just go back and look at the videos of these news reports, there's, oh, this young healthy man is standing there at attention on the street corner. He just falls flat on his face and then catches himself at the last moment. That's, and there just happened to be a camera crew there. Mm, oh, it's mm, amazing. Mm. Uh, we, know, we know this is nonsense. And, and even if COVID is what they say it is, that's not what happens to people. Right. Uh, I've, yet, I've yet to be walking through the hall, hallways of my hospital and see people face plant dead from COVID. Right. Uh, but I will say, you know, and I, I will say this, and this will probably contradict what a lot of people think. Uh, I do think that there is something going on. Mm-hmm. There is a, there is a, there is a pandemic, quote unquote. There's something going around, you might say, uh, and it, it's a viral pneumonia, I think, which is, it's not unprecedented. It's not unheard of. This exactly. Yeah. This is nothing new. Uh, it, it, there is something going around, uh, and. Again, I, I don't have access to an electron microscope. I can't look and be like, oh, yep, that's a coronavirus. That's that's uh, a typical coronaviridae species. Uh, I just don't, you know, I can't say. But there is a syndrome that we see with these people that tend to test positive for, quote unquote, COVID. Uh, and it's pretty reproducible. We have fever, body aches, uh, respiratory distress, hypoxia, hypoxemia, uh, and then these very typical findings on chest x-ray ct scans 
in a very typical hospital course for these people. They come in, they're profoundly hypoxic, coughing, having trouble breathing. Uh, and if they are not uh, going to get better immediately, then they're going to have a protracted course over the week, two weeks, three weeks of potentially being on a ventilator. And once they're on a ventilator, that's, you know, very rough time. But uh, as far as what, you know, we've seen this before, uh, not necessarily on this scale, but this is not unprecedented, like I said. The, from my perspective, uh, you know, I, I like to sort of approach this from two, di- two directions. I can tell you what I've seen, uh, you know, on the ground, and I can t- kind of assume that what they're saying is true and kind of operate from that standpoint. You know, we're, we're being told that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are dying or are going to die of this. That is not, that doesn't jive with my experience. I've seen a lot of people with this illness, and I've seen a few of them pass away, unfortunately. Uh, now, whether or not they passed away strictly from this dis- disease or from, uh, you know, a lot of the comorbidities which they tend to have, uh, it's hard to say. And whether or not these people would have died this year from something or or not is always hard to tell. Um, can I can I jump in? How many how many of them are are how many how many are obese? I would say, from my experience, that almost all of them that i've seen have dude uh, oh my gosh yeah, yeah. almost yeah almost every single person i have seen die here's the typical case this is a case that i have seen over and over again uh, and and i don't you know obviously you bring race or ethnicity into something and you immediately uh, start you know people start tuning out oh go for it here go for it here case, we're we're all grown ups here man yeah. this is our bread and butter yeah. so yeah yeah so what i have seen uh, and and i will say just i will preface this by saying I've seen flu seasons where we have people parked in beds in the in the hallways of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen that yet. As of yet, you know, I could be wrong a week from now, but as of yet, throughout this entire pandemic, I have yet to see our ICU completely full, let alone patients in the in the hallway. Mm-hmm. So as far as you know, their whole well, we don't want to overwhelm the healthcare system. That I have not seen yet. Mm-hmm. Outside of New York, which who knows what's happening in New York, this has been a very typical day. In fact, most of the hospitals around the country and the people that I know that work in hospitals, the hospitals are empty. They've yeah. been empty. Yep. They're starting to fill up now. I will, uh, you know, in the last week or so, we've seen a huge spike in, in admissions, uh, both COVID and not COVID. And I can get into why, you know, why I think some of these non-COVID patients may be coming in now. Uh, but so, so. We'll kind of operate from that. This has not been an overwhelming pandemic. Uh, that's people are left dying on the street. Mm-hmm. But the, the average patient that I've seen die uh, has been a Hispanic male, BMI upwards of forty. Wow. To, you know, forty or greater, uh, with hypertension, diabetes, sleep apnea, plus or minus, and plus or minus a smoking history. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the age of, let's say, 30 and as old as they get. You know? mm-hmm. uh, I've seen multiple guys in their 40s and 50s die from this. Again, Hispanic male in that age range, morbidly obese. I've seen them you know, linger on the vent for weeks at a time, and then they pass away from, you know, you, when you're on a vent and you're having all these problems, you get one thing after another. You get super infections. You get, you know, clotting, which is actually a big feature of this syndrome, uh, that we're seeing. Uh, but actually even older people I've seen have better outcomes if they're not morbidly obese. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, if they're not 
Hispanic <laughs> as well. Hmm. Interesting. What about what about blacks? Or is that kind of not is that population not around uh, you or not represented yeah, in the where, same where amount? I, no, where I am, they're not a large part of the population. Uh, I'm I'm in I'm in Texas, so we have a lot of Hispanics and a lot of, of sort of Scotch German sort of uh, white folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I've seen ninety year old white dudes in the ICU for a couple of weeks recover from this and go home, while we've had you know thirty five year old younger Hispanic dudes uh, pass away from this. Yeah. So I don't, you know, who knows what the, gen- you know, there's all kinds of conjecture uh, out there about the genetics of it. There's blood type is one thing people are looking at. Oh, 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 blood types seem to be protected somehow. Hmm. It's again, there's all these weird statistical anomalies, you know, that seem to kind of come and go and we can't really prove any of it. And I, I don't put too much stock in anything that I see uh, that's being published right now because one, everybody and their mom is trying to get their name out there with a landmark COVID study. Uh, everyone in medicine is, is publishing everything that they see on this. And and there, I saw a population of, you know, people that had stubbed their toe the day before admission and they yeah. all made it. And it's like, it's just all nonsense. So yeah. I, you know, we, I kind of talked about, you know, we worship at the altar of evidence-based medicine and it can be so fickle. And we know that there's agendas behind this, you know, there's, innumerable agendas mm-hmm. being pushed or, uh, or whatever. And, and the medical profession has become so dependent on evidence, quote unquote, that they can't think critically. They can't look at what is it literally in front of them. Right. And, and, and take that into account. You know, you, I, I can work at the hospital all day, every day. I can see a pattern, but if I read in the new England journal, an article that is peer reviewed and everybody in the medical community agrees that, yep, that's the thing. Even if it completely contradicts what I see on a daily basis, I have to go with what I what I'm being told in the journal. Or else I, you're a heretic, I, I, and I run, yeah, I'm a heretic. It's I, you know, just a, a, an aside. We 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 live in a very strange time. It, it, medicine is very hierarchical. Uh, I guess historically it's been very patriarchal, which you know, heaven forbid. Uh, but it's one of the the bastions of 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 our society where you can still have some hierarchy. We have attending physicians, we have fellows, we have residents, we have interns, we have students, and you know, as they say, shit runs downhill. Mm-hmm. And we still look at the attending as like he's kind of the he's kind of the king of the situation. I have seen grand rounds where medical students have yelled in the face of senior attendings for not being fully on board with transgenderism, with the situation with COVID, with other related things that are religious in mm-hmm. nature, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're seeing a breakdown of, of even that medical culture uh, because people aren't, if you don't drink the Kool-Aid, if you're not completely on board with whatever this, this is, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to, you're not, you're not on the team anymore. Yeah. So it's, people it's... are very aware of that. And so, it's very scary to me. Personally. Total inversion, total inversion, where the least educated people and the least competent people have basically seized tyrannical control. And we, it's fascinating that you report, because we see this obviously in, in culture, you know, but to, to, but to hear your report that exactly the same thing is happening in medicine 
my goodness. I mean, we're, yeah, it, th- this can't go on. This cannot go on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it really is. It's kind of burst my, whatever delusions I had left uh, in this last year. It's, it's really been amazing because I have, I have attendings that are very critical individuals, very highly educated. They have multiple degrees, multiple PhDs. Some of these guys, they've, you know, they're from the old school, the Northeastern trainees that they don't trust anything. They, they want scientific proof of everything. Uh, I know guys that don't have smartphones because they're afraid that the NSA is spying on them. They don't believe in getting the flu vaccine uh, because they've looked at the evidence and they don't think it works and they don't trust it. They don't trust the pharmaceutical industry. These same, same individuals are wearing masks religiously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They believe everything that comes out of uh, the CDC, the WHO, uh, except for anything that comes out that sort of might for a moment go against the mainstream narrative. Right. Uh, you know, you know, someone will come out and say, oh, hey, masks may not be. And they're like, ah, ignore that. But they believe pretty much everything they're told that fits the narrative. And I have heard from the horse's mouth. These people are line going to line up and get this vaccine, whatever it is, whenever it comes out, which is it, like that is insanity to me. Madness. But the Madness. Lack of, yeah. The, the lack of ability to apply their critical thinking that they put on everything else, every other aspect. I, mean, I know some of these people that don't believe in in even mainstream therapies. They, oh, the evidence doesn't stack up. They're lining up for this vaccine when it comes out. You they know believe what? everything they're told. Do you know what the explanation for this is? It's because COVIDism is a religion, first and foremost. It, it is. It is it the really new is. world order, one world government, one world religion. It is a religion. And these people are like jailhouse converts to Islam. That's that's the psychological level that you're working on. You're you're working on the same level as the guy who went to prison and some Nation of Islam Louis Farrakhan groupie came in and and um converted him to Islam. And those are the guys who go stab people with machetes and blow themselves up. It's exactly yeah. the same, but because that's what it is. It's a religion. So the, they have converted to a religion, a false religion. And so, of course, any false religion is going to screw with your ability to parse objective reality, think logically, anything like that. And it's going to supersede, like you just made the point, it's going to supersede visual evidence that's right in front of you and then even presented with evidence in writing it's oh no brush that away with the back of your hand um that doesn't fit so that's heresy that's heresy put that on the syllabus of of band text and they 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 don't even miss a beat and it's, it's amazing until people realize that this thing is a religion people aren't gonna there's gonna be no no way to deal with it and the thing that's really terrifying is that because it's a religion if people went on um you know if this all ended tomorrow for whatever reason and people all went on tv and started saying okay it's over this was all a mistake stop wearing masks everybody go back to normal i hate to break it to you these people aren't going to do it especially the young people they are they're not going back this mask thing is never going away Ever. This is just going to keep going and going because it's a religion. Dismount soapbox. It, no, you're 100% correct. There, and that's the only thing that that uh, 
the only way to look at it because I've tried to have, I've tried to have, you know, scientifically rational discussions with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've even gotten them, you know, you, you can kind of be smart in the way that you talk about things. You can kind of look at things in sort of a, let's take, let's step back and look at it in sort of this hypothetical way. Like, oh, let's imagine, you know, this scenario playing out this way. And you can sort of walk them to a conclusion. And as soon as you get done and they realize that they've been got, yep. <laughs> you know, they retreat back immediately. Uh, you know, it's, it, it really has blown my mind, you know, and, you, you know, for instance, this, you know, testing everyone for, we test everyone basically that comes in through the emergency department. We test them for COVID, whether they have symptoms or not, which, you know, they've gotten it to where anything and everything could be a symptom yeah. of this yep. symptom, you know, you, everything can fit, it can be a, a symptom. So they can, they can justify. It. And they actually say this in these, these daily and weekly conferences that they do through zoom and these other social media platforms to, to keep everybody in the loop uh, about what's going on at, at each facility. I've even heard them mention this, you know, well, if, if we go to a more restrictive screening process, uh, just use whatever symptom you can come up with as an excuse to test this patient. If you're scared that they're going to, come in and, and bring COVID into the hospital. Uh, it, it's, but it, it just has, it has really truly blown my mind. Uh, but you talk about, you know, screening everybody. These tests are not well proven. These companies, these pharmaceutical in, uh, uh, companies that develop these COVID tests, we know that most of them are garbage. We yep. know that these tests are garbage. Uh, tons of false positive, tons of false negative. We don't know what they are, but all that aside, we know that if you test everyone for something, you know, if, if you test everyone in this country for HIV, you're going to have a huge number of false false positives. Right. You have to take into, into account pre-test probability. If I just grab a person off the street and test them for anything, you're, you're going to have a huge rate or potentially huge rate of po- false positives. You have to take into account pretest probability. It's the same that we do with, you know, we, we have a test called the D-dimer, for instance, that you would, it shows that you have clotting going on in your body. We use this test to help screen for people that have or are suspected of having clots. So pulmonary embolism, deep vein thrombosis. Uh, but you have to clinically analyze the situation and the patient before you ever order that test because it's a very sensitive test. Mm-hmm. So it'll pick up any clotting that goes on. If I punch you in the arm and then draw this lab, it will be positive. It will be elevated. So if you, if so you just it, have, it, if you have a fresh bruise, it'll exactly. Oh it my be, gosh. Yeah. Be yeah. Yeah. So you, you only get this if you're not, uh, not sure really. Uh, but you have to take pre-test probability into account for whatever test you're getting. I don't just draw uh, cardiac labs on every patient. If right. you come in and you have chest pain and you have a history of cardiac uh, issues and you're a smoker, yeah, I'll dr- I'm, I will draw these cardiac markers. But if I just draw them on everyone, they're going to be elevated in a whole bunch of people. A whole bunch of people are going to go to the cardiac cath lab and have all kinds of invasive tests done and have complications from these tests uh, that w- never should have been t- tested in the first place. Right. You know, everything we do in medicine is potentially dangerous. I could give you Tylenol Mm -hmm. and you could be allergic to it and die. You know, Mm -hmm. you could have a reaction to IV fluids. You know, you you think, oh, I I, people, you top up a person that's been running a marathon with IV fluids. IV fluids can kill people in a a variety of situations. They can really hurt somebody. 
So we have to think about these things before we do anything in medicine. But that has been completely thrown out. Of course. Uh, with COVID, we test everybody, and then even if they don't have symptoms, we're throwing tons of antibiotics. We're giving them steroids. We're giving them uh, remdesivir, which that whole situation is laughable. Uh, remdesivir, Ooh, I don't know uh, if you elaborate. Know. That's what Trump got, isn't it? He he got Regeneron. Oh, Regeneron. Uh, okay. And he and I believe he got uh, convalescent plasma, which is it's just basically serum from someone mm-hmm. that has had the infection, so their antibodies are present. So you give those antibodies to, to somebody, and, and and the idea that is that you'll it's effectively like a sort of transfusion. It's it's like a tra- yeah it is a, it's a transfusion of blood products, which in and of itself can be risky. Yeah, uh, but you're giving them antibodies to fight whatever agent they have. But you know, so remdesivir is essentially an orphan drug. It was essentially uh, it was originally made or developed to uh, to cure or treat, I believe, hepatitis C, if I'm remembering correctly, and it didn't work for that. It was a total failure. So they said, okay, well, we've spent billions of dollars de- developing this drug. We've got to find something to do with it. So they went to Africa and they were like, maybe we can treat dengue fever uh, with it. I think that was what they came up with next. Didn't work. So now we got this drug sitting out there that they've spent decades developing, billions of dollars developing, and it's just sitting there on shelves and it's not making any money. And then here comes along COVID, which is a, a virus. This is an antiviral. Hey, let's try it. I've been saying from the beginning, I know, and I'm not revolutionary. I know a lot of people have been saying this, but it makes no sense that it would work. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, I don't want to get too, too off into the weeds, but long story short, it didn't make sense from the beginning. And it's still, it's being proven very much. You know, I've seen it never work. <laughs> the outcomes are the same regardless, uh, but we've been giving it to most people. Uh, doesn't seem to make a huge difference. Now the World Health Organization, which take it or leave it, you know, they're, you, who knows if you can trust anything that they say as well, but they're even coming out and saying, well, we don't, it doesn't look like it's helping, not changing mortality. Uh, we're still using it. It's part of the religious ceremony. Yeah. You know, you can't, it, mm-hmm. it, it really is. It's, How much does it so, cost? Do you know? Honestly, I don't know. I, you, a lot, probably. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, for example, the thing you mentioned, Africa, and bring Africa up, um, um, hydroxychloroquine is available over the counter there for six cents per dose because, it, because it's anti-malarial. And there's people are um, awkwardly asking questions about why the hell isn't sub-Saharan Africa just absolutely piled with dead bodies with this. And some people are saying maybe it's because these people can just walk into the pharmacy and get hydroxychloroquine for, for basically nothing. Uh, it's that definitely could be a thing. I'm not even convinced. You know, it, it's one of those false binary thing situations that I, I'm afraid some people on our sort of side of politics could fall into. You know, we need hydroxychloroquine. Do we? Does it work? Right. The, the mechanism there even isn't clear to me. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't, and, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be able to try it. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. I see no reason not to. If we're if we're going to go out on a limb and give remdesivir, which is a garbage nonsense drug. That we know doesn't work for anything, but magically somehow it's going to work for COVID. If we're going to give that, which, yeah, like you said, is going to probably be very expensive. I don't know how much, but probably expensive. 
Why wouldn't you try hydroxychloroquine? We know it's a safe drug. People take it oh, of like nothing yeah. in the third world. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, every like I said, every drug potentially has side effects. But as far as drugs go, go it's fairly benign. Uh, why wouldn't you try that? But that's not part of the religion. You know, that would be like having uh, guitar and and trumpet in the traditional Latin mass. It's just not part of the scene. Exactly. You know? We don't we don't do that in this house. We do remdesivir, decadron, uh, two different kinds of an- of antibiotics, uh, and plasma. That's what we do in in my church. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a, and that's that's another thing that I've you know I've been lectured on on the mask. You know, America's doing the worst in the world because we're not social distancing and we're not wearing masks. You know, I I, I had a discussion with a public health uh authority from my local area and she was deriding the local college kids and young people for you know quote unquote for being bad because they're not social distancing and my my first thing was well they're young people if you're gonna lock them in a house by themselves for eight months to a year they're gonna kill themselves mm-hmm. so expecting young people not to go out with their friends not to seek companionship uh not to go to parties that's not gonna ever happen for one thing but secondly, if if you think we're doing the worst in the world, I, I go to the grocery store here locally, and it's like me and one other dude not wearing a mask. Everybody is wearing masks. Yeah. So don't even try to tell me that people aren't following the rules, quote unquote. Uh, I, I said, and I told her, I said, if you think we're doing the worst, you've obviously never been anywhere in the third world. Right. Uh, I guarantee you the those people at the markets in uh, Wagadugu, Burkina Faso are not wearing masks and they're not socially distancing. They continue to defecate in the street and toilet paper you know, you is multi- not a thing, you know, <laughs> left hand, what's up left hand, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. So it's just, it's just madness. It's one thing after another of, of just, you encounter these situations and you have these, you have these, you talk to these people and you're like, you are not in touch with reality. Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, this, this whole time, Mexico, Mexico has been having music festivals and laughing about how we're all locked down. Mm-hmm. They're making fun of us. But yet, yeah, we're, we're bad because we've all ruined our economy in an attempt to play by the rules. And we're still having the highest case uh, cases in the world. It, I just don't buy it. It's all cases. See, that's it, the key word. It, it's it's bullshit. It, asymptomatic up until what? Eight months ago, dude. If you were asymptomatic, you know what that meant? It meant you weren't freaking sick. That's what that meant <laughs> up until eight months ago. That, I mean, and I'm just kind of circling back a little bit. I'm like scrawling notes here like crazy. Yeah, I, uh, I apologize. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. Oh, no, 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 no. This is how the Barnhart podcast rolls. It's just one just <laughs> ginormous stream of consciousness. But um, do, do your colleagues not understand that human beings are just walking vials of bacteria and viruses. And it's just the daily battle between our immune system and, you know, mucous membranes. I mean, do, do they honestly think that we're all completely clean and pure all the time? Can I get graphic? What in the hell do your colleagues, colleagues think that, you know, bowel movements are? 
what what do they think that shit is beside do they just think that it's food that's leftover food do they not understand that that bacteria and virons are deposited into the large intestine and that's why shit is so nasty and that's why god made us that we don't shit where we eat and we don't shit where we sleep and it stinks and it's horrible and everybody hates it except sodomite men apparently but you know you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying do your colleagues honestly think that all human beings are pristinely clean at all time hell i get up in the morning and half the time i blow my nose and the the color of what comes out has a tinge a yellow tinge to it doesn't you i mean you tell me doesn't that mean that by definition there's a little bit of something in there and that yellow that yellow tinge is infectamenta it's not you know perfectly clear like when you have allergies or something it's just you know clear crap coming out of your nose if you have any tinge of color that means you're fighting a little something doesn't it uh, you, well and that just means you haven't been wearing your mask <laughs> Oh, and then those of us that wear the mask, we don't have that. I don't know. That's not normal, Anne. Uh, Oh, okay. Well, I'll start wearing a mask. In fact, (laughs) I'll start sleeping in a mask right away. And boy, I'm I'm looking forward to developing acne for the first time in my life too. Uh And also, oh oh, yeah, no. Do you know that people are getting trench mouth? They've renamed it. They've renamed trench mouth mask mouth. No shit. No shit. Uh, well, and that's another thing. I, I can go off on the mask thing for a while. It it, it really has cracked me up to a, a, a degree because literally uh, a little less than a year ago, right before this all kicked off, I had a discussion with several of my of my friends uh, who about masks. And it was specifically studies about masks and the OR. And there's, you know, people will publish anything and everything. You, when you're in medicine, if you want to be an in, in academic medicine, you have to get published. I've been published. I have to do more publishing. I have to put out studies, even though I don't want to. So we've literally studied everything on some level. And so people are curious, hey, do we really need masks in the OR? You know, which is just kind of a, it, it's a, it's a duh, like obviously we're going to wear masks in the OR, but people study it and they've looked at these things. And, and basically from all the studies that I've read, basically the surgeon and the tech or whoever's right over literally the human body open in front of them, they need to probably wear a mask, if nothing else, just to prevent them when they speak from spitting directly into the body. And also everybody else, the body sprang, sprang up into their mouth too, right? Exactly. Exactly. And to prevent, yeah, splatter, blood, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, but everybody else in the room, the anesthesiologist, the anesthesia techs, everybody, the nurses that are sort of circulating in the room, they don't technically need a mask. There's no evidence that wearing a mask for them does anything for them or for the patient. And there's plenty of studies out there to show that after about an hour, the average surgical mask is completely saturated. It's wet. Yep. It's saturated. You're pushing stuff out of it, essentially. Uh, and it becomes a a growth medium for bacteria. Thank so you. So you see mm-hmm. these, oh, and especially early on during this, this situation where we had a shortage of PPE, uh, I was given a mask. And and when I and I will say full disclosure, when I'm at work, I wear I wear a surgical mask in the hospital, especially when I'm around patients. 
because one, my employer asked that I do that. And I actually respect the people that I work for personally. And I'm not going to try and fight them on that uh, because I, I figured, hey, they're paying my, my salary. When I see a patient, I put on a surgical mask. I don't think it's unreasonable personally for me to do that. Now, if you try to tell me I need to wear a mask when I'm in the break room eating my lunch, you, yeah, that's a different subject. Uh-huh. But at the beginning of this, I was given a mask. And I was, it's like being given like gold, like there was, we had a great shortage. So I was supposedly supposed to wear this same mask for weeks on end. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so unhealthy. It's so You know, nasty. they they break down, you're breathing in the fibers. It's a, it's your, you, you have a Petri dish on your yep. face. Yep. Exactly. And even, and I, I wear the mask as little as possible. I go in the patient room, I put it on. Even with that, I'm wearing it more than I've ever worn a mask before. And I'm starting to get like breakout on my nose and things that I've never had before. Uh, it's not healthy. No. It's not good. And for the average person that's out there walking around in the heat, sweating their ass off every day, not changing their mask, it's it's about as unhealthy a thing as you can possibly imagine. So, Well, and you, the thing that, that freaks me out is we, you and I... I think we're talking about those, you know, those little surgical masks. I call them kind of the Kleenex masks, you know. Yeah. Do you, these idiots, these these people who have converted to this religion are running around wearing like denim masks, yeah. fashion fabric, <laughs> and I'm just like, what in the blue hell is wrong with people what are you thinking i mean you you think that that that, that disposable kleenex mask is nasty holy crap i've i've like kind of you know clandestinely i just kind of hey but by the way you know how, how how often do you wash that i had someone tell me that they had they had just washed theirs for the first time and they'd been wearing it since march Ugh. Oh. Can you imagine? I don't know if you if you saw, but I just posted a thing within the last 24 hours. I don't know if I said the date when we started this. This is being recorded on, what is it, the 22nd of October. So I just posted a thing, a study that Fauci co-wrote that said, guys, a lot of what happened back in 1918 was staff and strep. Yep. And oh my gosh, the mask is, it is the perfect environment and vector for um, cultivating and breeding staph and strep, which if you don't remember, I think everybody, most kids in the U.S. did this science experiment, either in junior high or high school. You, you get a swab and you go and you swab the door handle of the classroom that you're in. And then maybe the teacher or someone else swabs the, the palm of their hand. And they and then they rub it on a Petri dish. And then the class all watches in, in wild wonder over the next 48 hours as the Petri dish explodes into clearly identifiable, huge forest-like colonies of strap staff and strep um and we've all ha- we've all had strep throat um staff is that's nasty that is oh, yeah. seriously well, for, nasty the, the 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 funny thing that you mentioned the flu you know we're entering flu season now which by the way flu is at the lowest level it's ever been at somehow uh yeah almost almost no flu that. almost no flu since since haven't, april I, wow I, I, I haven't seen i haven't i haven't personally seen a single case of flu 
at all, at all le- recently. Or Only have COVID. you? Or but, have you? And it's just being—they're just calling yeah. everything COVID. Well, That's my theory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Another thing I haven't seen—that was the, the sort of uh, rage, the the disease du jour uh, for a long time there, for about a year was vaping related lung injury had very similar findings to what covid can have on on chest x-ray and ct haven't seen a case of that in, in eight months either you don't uh, say but, wow hmm. uh, amazing right mm, uh, it's, it's miraculous basically yeah i wonder if, if maybe covid is protective i should do a maybe <laughs> protective from, i should do a study that's uh, your study but back yep. to the back to the staff and strep the, the the funny thing you know with with flu being infected with flu actually predisposes you to staph aureus pneumonia so and we've seen this even in the best of times when people weren't mask wearing masks like idiots uh you people have a flu they recover somewhat and then they come back with a nasty pneumonia staph mm-hmm. pneumonia. so just imagine now we go into flu season whether or not it's recognized or not as yep. flu yep. you get a patient with this with a flu infection and now we're gonna have a whole bunch of people walking around with a petri dish on their face yep uh growing these staph species it's it's lovely really it's it's beautiful artistry uh <laughs> i think really i think it's intentional standpoint i think it's intentional oh yeah i, I, think I have no doubt they the, know these the guys. bill gates case sat down and said we have to use a coronaviridae because if we say it's an influenza you know there's been swine flu and avian flu and people are kind of they're kind of maxed out on the word flu and they can't be as terrorized by it if we start dropping Absolutely. this word corona which by the way y'all is a cold the coronaviridae are what colds and there are many of them there are many types that's what it is but no one's heard the word before so it we can terrorize people by saying there is a there is a novel coronavirus going around do you know what novel coronavirus meant up until eight months ago it meant this year's freaking cold that's what that meant because it because corona is just mutating like super fast. Ooh, that's the other thing about about developing vaccines for for any coronaviridae. Oh, they tried it. They tried it back in the sixties when they when There's you know a vaccine, reason we don't have a cold vaccine. That's right because they tried it and guess what? It kills people badly when you try to do this and it it mutates so damn fast that in the time that it takes to legit legit develop a vaccine the damn thing's completely different and it's on to the next iteration so an interesting thing that history will have to bear out if it ever does we'll probably only find out to the general judgment but if the Chinese were doing something sketchy, and if the Chinese in that damn Wuhan lab were like messing with DNA sequences in in a coronavirus, the interesting thing about that is, is that when you do crap like that and then release it into the wild, that stuff is going to eventually revert to the quote-unquote norm so it's the mutation if human beings try to splice something in as the damn thing mutates it's gonna mutate back to its natural more natural form so i think that they knew all this they planned for all this and that's the whole the reason why from the very beginning the propaganda was we'll have we'll have a vaccine but then you're gonna have to keep getting a new vaccine every four to six months 
we're going to have to keep doing it over and over and over again. But I think what that is truly about is about, number one, getting the mark of the beast and getting people under a system of economic control. And I also think that if you're going to sterilize, if you're going to do mass sterilization, you have to give multiple doses of the sterling. You just can't stab somebody once and boom, they're sterilized. It has to be an yeah. ongoing well, they, process. Yep. They'll put it together. You, you know, if you... If you give someone a shot and they've been a very fecund individual up to that point, and then all of a sudden a whole generation of people can't have babies, they're going to notice. But if you make this, yeah, part of the sort of milieu yep. for years on end, and then all of a sudden you start working in a little, yeah, I, absolutely. People won't notice. They won't put it together. And those of us that would put it together, uh, you know, we're outside the religion, so we're not going to be listened to anyway. We'll probably probably be all kicked out of society as it is. Uh, but absolutely, th this whole vaccine thing is is laughable. It, it this is where you know the and and and, and yeah, I'll say one thing. I I want people to have compassion for the average sort of normie they see on the street who's wearing a mask, who's incessantly washing their hands, who's trying to social distance. People don't know. There, we have this sort of expert uh, fallacy or bias, and it's very easy for, for people to fall into it. I, I've used the analogy before of I have a, I have a vehicle. I get a, I get a recall notice from the, the manufacturer. I take the car in and the mechanics do something to it. It's not a, it's not a defect. You know, it, maybe it's a defect with the, the airbags or something. I don't know that. I'm listening to, to experts mm -hmm. who are telling me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I think that's what's kind of happening. People, obviously, you can sort of judge them for lacking the critical thinking skills. But for the average person you see at, at the grocery store, they're a pizza eating, football watching, just sort of, I mean, idiot, I guess, I, but not necessarily an idiot. They're just normal people. So they don't know. They're being told by experts. Uh, but what does piss me off, you know, and, and these people, they... I can understand why they would, oh, a vaccine. Yeah, okay, kind of like the tetanus vaccine. Okay, not quite, but I understand yeah. that why you would be fooled by this whole rigmarole. What really pisses me off is that the medical community who should know better is falling for this. As a, as a physician, I'm looking at people that I respect who are smarter than me, mm -hmm. who who I know are, are, have so much education. We're like, yeah, man, can't wait for that vaccine. What? Yeah. How do you not see how this isn't going to work? First of all, it's being put out in about a year. Most vaccines take 10 plus years yeah. and multiple trials and they come out and then they're they're taken back off the market cuz they they make people grow arms out of their heads or something. It's <laughs> Yeah. You know, it, it, there's all these these safety measures that are being thrown out the the window. Uh not to mention the fact like you're saying coronavirus, most cold viruses mutate very quickly. You know, mm -hmm. that's why we end up with things like swine flu and pig, you know, and, and bird flu. Uh, these things will go into a host species and sort of exchange genetic information uh, down at the molecular level with whatever host they're in. And they'll pick up different virulence factors and different, uh, you know, uh, the ability to, to target different tissues and stuff. And that's how we get these different strains of these things. Mm -hmm. uh, and the idea that we would ever develop a vaccine that could treat a cold virus. Maybe I'm missing something and these geniuses in the virology institutes can, 
can fix me up here, but it makes zero sense based on what I have learned in my medical education. It cannot work. That's And that's why they chose it. That's why they chose it. That's why the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation planned this shit out. They, they war-gamed all of this. Um, oh, I... I did I miss the anniversary? I missed the anniversary. October 18th, 2019, Event 201. They wargamed this in, in absolutely stunning, jaw-dropping detail. The only difference between the Event 201 wargaming of all of this is that they had it beginning in um, Brazil. From bats. Still saying from bats, but in Brazil instead of from China. I mean... They always tip, they always tip their hand. And I think it's part of... I don't know if they get get off on this, you know. They always they always tell you what they're going to do. Yep, absolutely. They always tip their hand. I, I don't know if it's part of their weird uh, religion that they all, you know, they, this ball worship uh, religion that they're all part of. Like, if that's one of the things you got to do before you before you get us, you know, before you start culling the herd, you got to let them know that that's what you're going to do, and then the dumb ones will all fall for it or or what it is you know maybe they're just rubbing our face in the fact that they have control yeah but yeah it seems to be their thing and and bill gates has come out and said that they want to reduce the the world population dramatically oh yeah he From... openly has said this oh, so yeah. how does that jive with wanting a vaccine that will lengthen people's lives and keep more people alive that makes no sense it, it's yes it, it, the only way it blows my mind that people still buy this yeah, the only way that the Gates Foundation um, population reduction objectives could ever be met, because that we're at like 7.7 billion right now, and they openly say they want it down at a billion or less. There, You cannot kill that many people. You cannot murder that many people. You cannot have enough war to kill that many people. The only way you can do that is mass involuntary sterilization. And that's what this is. Yeah. I would not, uh, you know, obviously I can't prove it, but man, it sure, it, if the shoe fits, it's yep. hard to say that it would be absurd to, to thank it. Now, let me circle back. Um, I looked up um, the drug remdesivir. It's made, and you were talking about how this is, you know, somebody's garage sale crap that they're trying to unload. Um, made by Gilead, they're a bunch of bastards. That's a wildly, uh-huh. wildly corrupt, um, huge pharmaceutical company. And let, let, let me read, just off the Wikipedia page, this is all completely publicly available. Pricing. On 29 June 2020, Gilead announced it had set the price of remdesivir at U.S. $390 per vial for the governments of developed countries, including the United States, and U.S. 520 for U.S. private health insurance companies. The expected course of treatment is six vials over five days for a total cost of, wait for it, U.S. $2,340. Being a repurposed drug, the minimum production cost for remdesivir is estimated at 93 cents per day of treatment. Now, I don't, I'm, you know, I was in the financial industry for a few minutes. I'm not a math genius, but you know what that looks like to me? That looks like a massive, massive money laundering operation, which is what all of this is. The testing, it's the same thing with the testing. They're billing the test 
every single damn test is getting billed to companies that are owned or heavily invested in by Bill and Melinda Gates, Fauci, all of these people, the same damn names just keep coming up, being billed at a hundred bucks a pop. How, who in the hell's paying? What? What? And I think they're doing, I mean, one of the feeds I watch is over in Italy. And they somebody put a call in over to Italy and said, you all need to start doing, you know, you need to multiply by a factor of 15 how many daily tests you're doing. Okay, so now the Italians are doing something like 150,000 tests on perfectly healthy people every single day. Do the math. A hundred bucks or a hundred euro, it's about the same. Who in the hell is paying for this? Where is this money going? This is one of the biggest money laundering operations that has ever happened. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I have I have no doubt. Well, or or they're just great philanthropists, and They're just trying to <laughs> It's charity. It's it's just charity, yes. It's it's it's, it's I, good Christian, good good Christian charity, you bet. And it's you, really amazing, isn't it? Yep. It's, it, it really is. Uh, it becomes so obvious when, when you start seeing these things. And, and even when we know that remdesivir doesn't work, even if you can just critically think for yourself and be like, okay, well, it hasn't worked for anything else. And it, there's no reason why it should work for coronavirus. There's no mechanism, as far as I know, that would indicate that it should. Uh, we still We're still using it. Yep. And uh, and you're an idiot if you don't. You're not part of the tribe. You're not on the team. Yep. If you're not uh, just buying into it. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what the what the answer is here because I I'm a I'm just a, a one dude and I know a, a handful of people in my profession that agree with me. I'm sure there are many more, but I legitimately think that my career in general, not just this job, not just. Mm-hmm. Uh, my relationship with my boss or the people I work for, I think my career would be legitimately in danger if I voiced these opinions at work openly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at, even in conversation with people that I know are on the other side, I have to be very careful, in my opinion, how I phrase things. I can make them reach the same conclusions we just did, like I said before, and they'll retreat as soon as they see that they've kind of fallen for my rhetorical trap. They'll, they did, they, They'll go right back to the altar, and they yep. cling to uh, sort of at the foot of their the cross of their their Messiah, whoever well, that is. Uh, Pachamama. It's, it's Pachamama. So yeah. Well, you yeah. know, thank goodness for her. <laughs> we have to save us, Pachamama. Mother save Earth, us. Gaia. Yep. Gaia. Uh, what are the other names for the? Uh, Satan. Satan is it's another name. Satan? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that one. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, g- getting maybe a little bit personal, um, just to put this in context, when you're saying that you're looking at the situation and and you think you're maybe not much longer for the practice of medicine in general, it what what would that mean to you? What would be the consequences? Would you be um, handed a bill for for med school if you didn't? finish this that or the other are you looking at student no. debt or nope i have no debt uh wow. awesome yeah and that's something uh had a little bit from undergrad and that was that's all been paid off but fortunately for me you know i'm, I'm a big time socialist and the the government paid for it 
in return for uh, <laughs> four years of military service and possibly being blown up multiple times. Uh, so I have, yeah, honestly, it's, it's just right around the corner. I, th- I think any day, and I think this is going to not just be for, for medical professionals. I think we're all going to be handed a, at some point, we're going to face a situation where we're, where we are going to have to, uh, you're going to bend the knee or you're going to be yep. forced out of your career. Yep. It's, and it may be something as simple as wear the mask. And if that's a, if that for you is the line in the sand, then that's probably not too far off. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I've known this for a long time. I'm not in a position where I'm going to have to endorse, perform, or refer for abortion, which would be uh, a line in the sand for me personally. Uh, but I do think eventually it will be something, you know, transgender uh, patients, which again, I have empathy for people. I have compassion for individuals that are suffering from whatever condition. If you are confused about your gender for whatever reason, uh, whether it be a a physiologic thing or the product of bad socialization or you were molested as a child, whatever that looks like and wherever that has led, I have compassion for that individual. I, You are not doing anyone any favors, obviously, by playing along with delusions or mm-hmm. with uh, confusion like that. Yeah, I personally think that gender dysphoria especially in children, it's not, I mean, it's not horribly common, but it's not horribly uncommon either. And the vast, vast majority, almost 100% of kids who suffer from that going through puberty, which makes sense. If you, you're suffering from all these hormones in your body, maybe mom and dad or dad isn't there and mom's confused uh, working mother, and you've been raised by liberal teachers, you're being told all these things, you're going to have some confusion potentially. But like something over, I think it's north of 90% of kids that suffer from that identify with their birth, uh, their biological gender once they reach adulthood. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, this whole child trans thing, but that is, that is heresy. Yep. Words that just came out of my mouth. That's medical heresy. And I will be kicked out of the church of modern medicine if I am very bold with that opinion. Uh, I've seen it firsthand. Like I said, I've seen senior attendings shouted down not just argued with, but shouted down, finger pointing in the face by first and second medical med students, mm-hmm. med, uh, which is un- unheard of. Mm-hmm. You, you don't do that as a medical student. Uh, it's coming soon when we're all going to be faced with this situation. So I think, it, you know, I don't know how much time I have left. Yeah. I would like to work as a physician. I like medicine. Uh, but if I'm faced with a situation where I'm going to have to endorse things like that or any other sort of degeneracy, uh, or I'm going to have to take part in, who knows, abortions or whatever they're going to want me to endorse. Or, and just as simple as it is, if they're going to force me to to get this vaccine that's going to come out next year, uh, hell no. I think I, that I, will do I something think else with my time. That will probably be it for you because I mean I'm yeah, hearing this I, from people all over the country. They're already getting the memos. This this will be absolutely mandatory for you to work in this hospital, period. And they're like, yeah. okay, see yep. it. See it. Yep, exactly. I mean, best case scenario, I'm able to keep my medical license and I can open up my own little clinic uh, and do that kind of stuff. Uh, but worst case scenario, because I and I've seen this trend. I, I'm on a little bit of social media here and there and on YouTube. And the minute a doctor says or does anything 
that is remotely against the team. I see comments all over the place. Take his medical license. Yeah. Who is this guy? He's out of control. He's going to hurt people. He need, we need to talk to the state medical board and remove his license. He shouldn't be practicing medicine. He's dangerous. Mm-hmm. That is the, that's the go-to move. So, you know, it's just a matter of time on that as well. And for me, especially as someone who doesn't have debt, obviously, like I said, I'd love to work as a doctor, but I will become a farmer. I'll learn a trade. I have experience with welding. I'll, I'll live on a plot of ground somewhere and grow my own food and they can all go to hell. Yep. Absolutely. It's, um, it's unbelievable. And, and the speed with which it's, it's all happened. I mean, you know, even, even I, even I, who's been talking about civil war and societal collapse and all that stuff, e- even I am gobsmacked at how, how quickly this has happened. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, this and, year has really been amazing. Well, it's, it's like, it's, it's been, I've been asking everybody, I, I, you know, when I see friends and I'm like, are you having this thing where the, in your mind, in your memory, there's like a missing year of time. So things that in my mind, I think happened one year ago, happened two years ago. It's like, it's like this whole, this whole thing is in this weird isolation in your brain and as we're going through life now it's like that whole year is missing so every you're off a year by everything you're trying to estimate when did that happen oh oh oh, I just saw you last year and then you look up and you know you you look at your email or whatever and find out the exact date and like oh man it was two years ago it wasn't one year ago I mean the, the time and crap I'm getting ready to turn 44 imagine what that's like for for kids kids who are in junior high kids who are in high school where you know when you're young time just the, the perception of time seems much longer and more profound remember I, I think back on like you know first grade or second grade and it just seemed like those school years went on and on and on and e- even each month went on and on and on and hell now I take a nap and a month passes you know so messing with with kids in terms of the perception of time and all of this holy mackerel it's just it's just amazing the damage absolutely uh, and i i see these poor kids you know toddlers walking around with masks on their face they can't breathe they're supposed to go play by themselves because they're yeah. you know being around other kids to be dangerous they're going to they're growing up in a world where they're told where other people are are infected yeah and they could they could kill you with their in their imaginary infection that is terrifying it's damaging for children it's so unhealthy and and the whole even if even if all the numbers that we're being told about coronavirus covid whatever is true let's say 100,000 people are, are dead already and they project 250,000 uh i was the the damage that's being done to young healthy productive people is beyond measure yeah we have huge increases in uh, drug overdoses alcoholism domestic disputes and abuse uh the suicide, suicide is through the roof yep Suicide in the military. So what the military did, they're even more brilliant than the rest of the country. I know the Navy, I'm not sure about the rest of the DOD, but I I know that they've done this in a lot of bases is they've restricted travel with military personnel to within 50 miles of their base. Which for me, when I was on active duty, that would have meant that for however long, for a year, however, however long they would keep this on, I wouldn't have been able to see any of my family, including my wife. And so 
now in this last few months, we have seen a 20% increase in suicides in the military. Mm -hmm. It was already high. Mm -hmm. It was already tragically high. And now 20% increase on top of that. And I'm sure the leadership is just scratching their head. Mm -hmm. What in the world is going on here? We've done everything right. Oh, I I think that's part of the plan, too. I think just convincing people, first and foremost, the elderly. Notice that there there is an equal push while all this is going on for more and more and more euthanasia. Just pl- plunge these elderly people into a state of complete hopelessness and despair. Oh. Tell them, you know what, Horrible. you've had you've had a run. Look, j- if you just go down to the clinic, you'll go to sleep. You won't wake up. Yep. And yep. you just end this. I think they're um, going to be. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say they're going to be lined up for. Oh yeah. For these people are are despairing. I, I worked in a nursing home uh, a couple of months ago, and. It's the most tragic crap I've seen in a while. Outside of, I'll tell you, this, the saddest situation that I've been a part of is, <clears throat> and I honestly get a little emotional thinking about it, is a young people in the hospital dying of whatever. They have COVID. They're in the COVID unit. Their family cannot see them. Mm-hmm. That's potentially up to a month or more of people being in the hospital, and no one from their family has come to see them, and then they're dying. And I have taken an iPad into the room so the family can say goodbye. Oh my gosh. It's horrible. And it's yeah. horrible for the healthcare providers. I mean, the uh, it's bad for me and I'm a cold-hearted horrible person. But these these poor nurses that are in there dealing with this day in and day out, I think uh, alcoholism has got to be on the rise. Mm, but mm-hmm. I don't know how people are going to cope with this. They're they're seeing this happen, but I was in the nursing home and we would have these conference calls because by law when you're in a nursing home, uh, the medical team has to correspond by phone or video with family members at least once a quarter. And so every week, once we would every we three would... months or once yeah, per three months. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. You have to, you have to talk to the family. You have to talk to the family. So you sit there, you talk to the family, you give them updates. Normally this happens in person. Uh, w- before COVID, they, the family would would meet with the doctors and hey mom's doing okay we upped her meds you know and they would get to hang out with grandma or whatever Mm -hmm. now it's by phone and these phone calls are the most devastating things that i've ever encountered these family members are begging please let me come see my mom this is the last months of her life Mm -hmm. she has dementia she may not even remember me at this point but please let us come see them nope can't do it you have the patients themselves please can i just let me leave to see, I'll stand out on the yard and and wave at my family, mm-hmm. and they're not being allowed to do this because it's dangerous. So you get COVID. It's I I guarantee you, most of these people would rather die of COVID, yeah, than to live out the remaining months of their lives not being able to see their kids and their grandkids. Yep. Uh, what what we are doing as a system, uh, and to be a part of it is soul crushing. It, I hate it. Um. Obviously, I have no stay in any of these policies. It's not like I can sneak grandma out, you know, ET style in a in a basket on my yeah, bike yeah. Uh, to see their family members. But that is the biggest toll from an emotional standpoint. Obviously, the economy sucks now. You know, everyone's lost their jobs and they're all going to kill themselves because they're going to be despondent. But just from that standpoint, whew, I tell you, it's it's been rough seeing these things, hearing these conversations. Uh, Watching family members say goodbye to their father over an iPad. Ooh, 
not it's, good. It's Luciferian. It's Luciferian. It really is. This is this is evil. Yeah. And the fact, you know, the people on the ground, nurses, doctors, whatever, even even the most learned doctors in the hospital who should know better, for whatever reason, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Even they are not as evil as the people that are originating this stuff. They're not I don't think. They're not as they're not wicked in that way where they're they're devising these these terrible things. Doctors have very little power in the healthcare system these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, these orders come down from on high. We, no one really probably knows where they come from. And then we just follow along so we don't get fired. Uh, I, I can't imagine the, le- the level of evil to devise these things, to, to know what's going on at the highest level and to, to put out these orders that you can't see grandma, you know, you're going to die alone in a hospital bed surrounded by strangers in plastic suits. Yeah. Uh, it's devastating. Yeah. Well, but it's, yeah, they're, they're, they're evil. it's what happens when a culture like ours, basically for all intents and purposes, totally apostatizes from the one true faith and just everybody, everybody's in a state of unrepentant mortal sin all day, every day. It darkens yep. the intellect. It doesn't drop the IQ. So you've still got, you know, nerds writing code and, you know, somebody's making the next iPhone and, and you know, it doesn't drop people's IQ. But there's a difference between IQ and the darkening of the intellect that you can't, you can't see what's right in front of you. You can't process that reality. And that's, that's exactly what it is. And, it, 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 and good luck good luck trying to stand up and tell the modern United States of America, guys, the reason this is all happening is because you're all on the pill. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're you're screaming at the wall at that point. Um, it's, it's going to require supernatural. Um, Absolutely. These people are not going to big part. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say these, well, I was going to say, I think, uh, (laughs) you first ma'am you you first I've I've been making a point for quite a while now you know can you imagine even before all of this crap happened I would say can you imagine what it is going to take to bring humanity a, a large percentage of humanity or even just you know the former Christian West bring them to their knees and have them repenting of all of their sexual sins and all of this crap. Look at what's happened. Had basically civilization, the economy destroyed. Uh, There's basically now this form of Freemasonic secular Sharia law. You have to wear basically a Masonic burqa by law um you can't go anywhere you can't do anything you're gonna have to they're now telling you you have to have mandatory injections um you're not allowed to go to mass you're not allowed to worship god now the latest push is you're not even allowed to privately celebrate in your own homes christian holidays etc etc and you know what these people haven't even flinched what is it going to take to get these people to look around and say oh shit, I have to stop fornicating. We have to get off the pill immediately. I, you know, uh, it's gonna, 
I think the Blessed Mother made mention of it at Fatima, and it's gonna be, it's gonna make, it's gonna make nuclear holocausts look like uh, uh, afternoon tea. I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Yeah. It well, and, and these people are so numb. The average person is, you know, they've seen more violence mm-hmm. and and sexual depravity yeah. coming from a, a, a screen, whether it be their computer or their TV, than most human beings ever experienced in the entirety of their lives. Yep. Yep. Uh, prior to, you know, 1950. Uh, that has to just, that is so damaging to people. It the, is. And, and, and it plays into their inability to tell reality from fiction. Mm-hmm. They, these people's lives revolve around watching professional sports, which we all know is fake and gay mm-hmm. uh reality tv totally fake the news mostly entirely fake mm-hmm. or so manipulated that it might as well be fake mm-hmm. uh and they're told to suspend their disbelief so much they watch so much pornography yep you know they can't they cannot tell the difference between reality and and fiction and then you apply that to the situation that we're dealing with now it's all just a big movie yep and they're just watching and they're doing what they're told because they're they're an active participant from the audience. Uh, it, it really is terrifying, and I agree. This is going to take uh, divine intervention. Yeah. Uh, but I, I also want to point out you you talked about the burqa. I, I, it really cracks me up. I don't ever want to hear another quote unquote Christian talk crap on Muslim women ever again. <laughs> <for this. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you sweet. imagine now? Yep. You know, with their muffled face. Can you imagine you force our women to wear a mask? <laughs> oh, jeez. Good point. Excellent yeah. point. You know, oh, Lord. Yeah. The whole thing is just, it's its a beautiful and terrible and evil uh, spell that has been cast uh, on people. I, and it, it's been building for a while. But like you said, this, this last year is the acceleration Ooh, amazing. Well, you know, uh, they we... got to hand it to them. They're pretty good at what they do. Around know? here, we've got a theory as to what um, released the proverbial kraken, so to speak. And that is when anti-Pope Bergoglio worshipped the Pachamama inside the Vatican. It, it lines up Boy. perfectly that when that shit went down, that's when all of this started. He did that on October that's 4th, and Event 201 was on the 18th of October, and um, there was already, you know, propaganda coming out of China, even then. That's when the first... The, the first images of welding people inside of um inside of their apartments which i totally believe that the chinese government would do without any hesitation they would totally do that to people just in order to generate the stagecraft oh yeah and like you said the 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 the, the miraculous videos of someone just face planting and boy isn't that amazing that he was perfectly in frame right 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 at the second that he spontaneously collapsed into a pile of of covid death yeah whatever now we were we're we're over an hour in and so i think we should pivot now and i think people after listening to you and getting to know you a little bit and knowing that you're a serious and intelligent person i think they'd like to hear a little bit about why it is that in the midst of this anti-papacy and this unprecedented shitstorm you and your and your beloved wife um, entered the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. So, run Boy. with it. 
the whole Pandora's box here. I, you know, for one thing, you know, and, and it does seem a little counterintuitive. Whatever, you know, the the church looking at it from the outside, even now from the inside, things are not looking great on a lot of levels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why would you go into a burning building? You know, why do you? You know, and and for one thing, I think the uh, just sort of a very simple way to put it is it's worth it's it's worth the enemy attacking. Mm-hmm. And when you've identified who the enemies are and you see them attacking someone, you think, okay, well, maybe they're attacking them for a reason. Maybe it's worth attacking. Nobody's nobody's tearing down uh, the local, you know, kumbaya uh, wealth gospel church. Right, right, yep. <laughs> no, nobody cares. About them. No one cares who the Grand Buffalo no. of the Presbyterians is. Nobody, nobody cares. No, no. <laughs> These are these are completely. Uh, they love the beast. Loves these other churches. Oh yeah. Uh, I think. Have you ever heard of Devin Stack? He does black pilled. No. He's a YouTube. Guy. He he recently put out a video uh, called. Oh gosh, I think he called it "Fast Food Jesus," oh. and it was about how basically, yeah, it was really it was pretty poignant. But it, you know, it. Long story short, these people are not threatening. No. You know, these sort of flim flam nonsense nominal Christians who uh, that are mostly the mainstream Christianity from, you know, when I was in college, that's who I that's what I thought Christianity was. I wanted nothing to do with it. Yep. Uh, but now, you know, I look at the Catholic Church uh, and I see that there's some people in this Catholic Church and I see that this the the Catholic Church itself goes all the way back to Christ. And I. I learned this my, by reading the Church Fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big uh, sort of a red pill. Once I noticed the, the Catholic Church, I started reading. And I, reading the Church Fathers really opened my eyes. Uh, reading the old philosophers, reading Thomas Aquinas, uh, these things all, like, man, this is the Church. Yeah. And it's, it's in trouble. It's under attack. And it's under attack because it's worth attacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is the church. I, I went to a. Uh, I grew up, sort of, uh, sort of mainstream. Not mainstream. I, I hate to use that word. I, I grew up in a Lutheran church. I was confirmed Lutheran, uh, and so when I first started this journey back into Christianity, I never fully left Christianity. I've always considered myself a Christian. I've always prayed, but for a very long time, I felt like I, I couldn't fellowship with most Christians. And I had honestly grown up sort of anti-Catholic, so I sort of wrote off the Catholic Church for a long time. And so I would hang out with various Protestant uh, folks, and even if they're nice, I just, man, these are not, this is not my, yeah, this is not it. I went to a, a Lutheran church not long before I started going to the Catholic Church, because I was like, oh, I, I, I felt like I did pretty well in the Lutheran Church as a kid, uh, and it was dead. The average age in there was about 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one weird weird lady with like three kids and everyone else was near death. Mm-hmm. And there was about 20 people in the whole church. And the, the, the sermon was about 10 minutes of some very nice words. And it was just dead. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the Catholic church and there is something happening. Even in the Novus Ordo mass, which is the only mass I have access to, there's nothing within about two hours of me uh, as far as traditional. Uh, but even in the Novus Ordo Mass, performed well by a good priest. Uh, in fact, the priest that I started with here, great man, I think. Uh, he does it in a very reverent manner. There is something to it. 
there's something happening there. Well, uh, yeah, you know, you know what that is, don't you? You know, you know what that something is. What is it? It's it's it's, it's our Lord who's actually oh, yeah. physically Absolutely. substantially there. No, it's true. You walk into, yeah. I mean, I don't walk into Protestant churches like hardly ever anymore. But on the rare occasion when I do, it is absolutely jarring now to walk into a yeah. Protestant church absolutely. and there's no tabernacle. And you that sense of, wait, where yep. is he? Oh, that's right. He's not physically yep. substantially here. He's not here. I mean, he yep. he's God. And, and he's was, everywhere. But yeah. he's not. The Eucharist isn't there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, and you even that doctrine, the true presence in mm-hmm. the Eucharist, that was settled. 2000 years ago yes. the church fathers and all they, they talked about that they had it settled and then heresy crept in and now in don't even get me started on Martin Luther uh and this isn't to bash good protestants who are just doing their best people are raised a certain way they just they just need to be told the truth uh but even something as simple and as important to our religion to our our faith as that was settled long ago and it's been carried on through the Catholic Church unbroken that entire time. Uh, and I was just missing it. I uh, think a before. lot of people don't even realize that the real presence was the first time it was even questioned in the most tangential, hypothetical way was um, right around the year 1000. N- nobody, I, I think most people have absolutely no idea. It was just... Everybody knew it. It is, uh, I mean, it's him. So it is the foundation of, of everything. Um, it, you know, and, and people just think a lot of Protestants are told that it was concocted, you know, in the Middle Ages or it was concocted at Trent or something like that. Nothing could be further from the truth. They were, it was real presence from day one, from the upper room. Um, and I'm sure that Anne Catherine Emmerich, if you read her, and I think she's she's one of the private revelations that I think it's really, really, really worthwhile to read. Um, she said that in her in her visions that she saw at the Last Supper that our Lord took Saint Peter, um, Saint who would it be, either Andrew or James and John and took them off separately and taught them how to say the mass and she said it was completely recognizable as as the venerable rite of Pius V which is the traditional Latin mass it wouldn't it wouldn't have looked like the Novus Ordo it, but it, she said it was completely recognizable as the Roman rite mass which is of course what what Catherine Emmerich lived in and experienced um, and I think that almost certainly it while our lord after the resurrection can you imagine the things that he told them i mean the whole thing is the protestant sola scriptura thing as well you know where's that in the bible where's that in the bible okay have you ever read the bible have you ever read the gospel of john all the way to the end the last thing that john says is guys listen if we had written everything down the entire world couldn't contain all the books if we had written everything down. Can you imagine the campfire conversations that went on? Can you imagine what our Lord was telling them in the interstitial period after the, resu- after the resurrection and before the ascension? Um, 
that he was that he was explaining all of this. I mean, he he one of the first things our Lord did on Sunday, the, the the morning midday after he had just resurrected, he's walking on the road to Emmaus. He encounters people who um, I think pious tradition is that they were like you know his distant cousins somehow that they were cousins, and they didn't recognize him. And he walks along and he explains everything to them so that they they get to the house they sit down at Emmaus our Lord starts celebrating the mass and as soon as he consecrates the host they all see exactly what's going on and they realize he he is the host he's in the host our Lord uh, corporally boom disappears and they're just like oh Okay, we understand this now. I mean, real presence is just is just everywhere, and there's so much propaganda. And I know, um, you know, we've known, like I said, we've known each other for decades and decades and decades. And going back, you actually kind of interacted with some, <laughs> with some not good Catholic communities at all back in in the ancestral homeland, uh, particularly a certain college slash university run by a rather tragic organization of nuns did that did that like throw you did that literally throw you out or throw you off the trail for years just saying though that bunch those bunch of lesbians that can't be right because i know that 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 it, occurred to me oh absolutely yeah well and this is it, it's still something that i think under the surface i still struggle with a lot you know you're like man i'm, I'm in i know i'm in the right place but man there's a lot of it's a lot of darkness here, but I honestly, at that time, I was so uninterested in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't even an option to me at the time. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it, it probably didn't help <laughs> being yeah. around those people. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I still see that, you know, and I went through RCIA and, you know, God bless them. They're doing their best, but it's, it's the Karen Mafia. Mm-hmm. And, as a, as a red-blooded dude who, you know, one of the things that draws me to the, the Catholic Church is our history of militant yeah. Catholicism. Yep. You know, the, the, the crusade and the fact that we've had men for thousands, a couple, the last 2,000 years that are willing to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that draws me in. But then you go to the, you know, RCIA and it's all about cookies and feeling good and kumbaya. Yeah. That was a, that's a big barrier for me. I, I think that I would say this. There's a couple different things that that really were big for me. One, uh, reading the Church Fathers, huge. If you're a, if you're a true believer already, if you're a Christian and you're like, hey, I believe that my Protestant Church uh, is simply us trying to get back to the root of Christianity, I would urge you to please read the Church Fathers. Mm-hmm. They were the root of the, the Christian faith, and they were Catholic. They believed in the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. They they communicated with the Bishop of Rome. Uh, as the head of that hierarchy on earth um, the it was all just what you will see in a in a Catholic church today or what you should see and what you definitely will see in the right traditional uh, Latin church two uh, and this is gonna sound strange to anyone who's a Protestant but I I saw a video where a young man was standing up at a, at a in a college and he was asking some very difficult questions to the speaker. And honestly, at this time, I don't even remember what it was about, but he was holding a rosary in his hand. Mm-hmm. And he was speaking fiercely, very boldly, very bravely. And I was inspired by that. I saw that last year or the year before, and I thought, man, that is powerful. And I actually got a rosary, and I started praying the rosary. 
and from that point on, I became a Catholic. I stick a fork in him. He's done. <laughs> the, exactly. the, 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 the blessed road, mother cooked you, you good, man. <laughs> she, she really is there. I mean, she, I, I'm a hundred percent with it. It, the, the rosary is a very powerful weapon and it, and it's also, a, it, I guess it guided me. She guided me. Uh, Mother Mary guided me to the Catholic Church, I think, through the rosary. And it sounds weird. And if I had heard myself say this 10 years ago, I'd have like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? What happened? Uh, it's true. And it, it happened. And uh, so that's been big. And I, I would also say for any Protestants out there that are wondering about this, there's a book. And he's a, I think he's a very mainstream sort of normie Catholic guy. Edward Shree, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, him, yeah, uh, I've, or anything about I've read him. Yeah, I think he's at. He was out at Denver. He, in fact, when I lived in Denver, I think. Okay. Yeah. He he has a book called "Praying the Rosary Like Never Before," and it, I've I've read the whole thing, and I use it as a guide to pray the rosary. And that's how I co- I got my wife into praying the rosary with me because it's kind of a guided mm-hmm. way through the rosary. Each mm-hmm. uh, each mystery, you kind of there's a, a passage of scripture, and it kind of guides you through the the decades of the of the rosary but through that book he really it outlines exactly he ties it all together yeah. you know, mary as the new ark of the covenant uh and it all just fit reading that book really was another thing that cemented it for me uh and yeah i you know and then listening you know i've all obviously always known that Anne, you were uh quite intelligent genius type and I've always respected you and reading your blog and stuff and and I've that definitely has helped me as well I you're people that are fierce in their Catholicism that's how you get people this milquetoast thing I don't understand how people think that telling people to just believe whatever they want do whatever's comfortable here's some cookies after mass when we had a sermon you know the that was really just milk toast. That's not going to lead anybody. It's You're revolting. unapologetically. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the militant aspect of it is what drew me to it. Uh, and then, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. I started listening to these other sort of trad cath mm-hmm. types, you know, uh, Taylor Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Patrick Coffin show. Uh, these guys that are, they're out there. I think they're doing pretty good work. And I, they, they also, did a really good job of sort of proselytizing to me indirectly. Excellent. And once you start seeing it, and and honestly, just the fact that Christianity needs to get its crap together, it needs to unify. Um, it says God told us, to, you know, you're not supposed to have all these divisions. And well, of course. I mean, there's I o- there's only one truth, and that's that's another species and manifestation of the the diabolical disorientation in our culture is that people honestly believe that there are multiple truths that two plus two yep. equals four, but it can also equal five. It can also equal seventeen. And Oprah tells you that two plus two can equal girlfriend, whatever you want it to equal. You know, and people honestly believe this you hear people talk now and it's my truth my truth is this my truth is that and yep. they don't and, un- and, and if you are going to be honest about it you, you, you trace that back to the protestant reformation mm-hmm. that the Pro- protestant reformation was basically liberalism it was all just interpretation and 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 it just branched off from there and every you know and you get new charismatic leaders that interpret certain bible passages the way that they want and it's all just 
me, me, me. Yep. And whatever I want, whatever I'm comfortable with, worshiping however I want. Uh, yeah, we don't kneel anymore. We don't cross ourselves. We don't do this or that because whatever, whatever reason. Uh, and it just, it's never ending. Once you start down that path, you can, you can justify anything. Yep. Uh, and you can lead people down that path with you. Which is actually what Freemasonry is all about. It's about its public front facade is the deification of man and that God exists in in the intellect of man. So we're all God and God is God is our brain and God is our consciousness. Now here's what happens. People buy into this and then what inevitably happens is you live your life and people make horrible, terrible decisions and look back on their life and they realize I'm not God. I don't know everything. And so then they say, okay, there has to be something outside, but they've been, but Christ, the most holy Trinity, that is completely disqualified. They won't even look at that. They know, they know that can't be it and where they end up with and what Freemasonry consciously at the top levels is ultimately about is Satan. It's worshiping Satan. And that's, and you know, people, we talk about this and you know, you, you, uh, just like what you were talking about, you know, you go to RCIA and you can't say the name of Satan. When I, when I went through RCIA, the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist was not discussed until literally the Sunday before Holy Week. Um, that session and, you know, one of the, one of the ladies, an elderly lady and God, God loved them, but she stood up in front of the class and read word for word off of this worksheet that had clearly been photocopied out of some some RCIA curriculum book and stood there and read um, the a very short discourse on the real presence. I'm sorry if you're <laughs> if you're a Catholic and you can't stand up and give and give an off-the-cuff extemporaneous witness to the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, wh- what does that say? What does that say? And, you know, you, you ask them, say, you know, why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't we talking about, you know, contraception? The fact that the fact if the, that if you miss mass on Sunday without a damn good reason, that that that's mortal sin. If you just blow off mass on Sunday for absolutely no reason, or I want to watch the football game, if I go to mass on Sunday, I'm I'm not going to be able to get home in time for the start of the game. I mean, crap like that. That's mortal sin. That literally severs severs the life of grace between you and God. And if you die unrepentant of that, your 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 particular judgment is going to be difficult to put it mildly and they they say we can't we can't talk about things like that because if we do we'll we'll scare everybody away and you're just what, like, they, what they don't realize is that what they don't realize is that it actually does the opposite mm-hmm. this you can go if i wanted a uh, do whatever you feel like experience where i just get together and hold hands and sing kumbaya <laughs> and talk about god in sort of a vague way there's a million places i could go for that yep uh but I joined the Catholic Church because it is the church militant mm-hmm. in in the truest, uh, I guess, sense of that word. And I looked around in RCIA and there was a lot of young men in there. And I know that they would respond very favorably mm-hmm. 
to exactly what you just said, said by uh, someone who believes it, who says it firmly, uh, and they would re- they would respond well to that. But most of the time, they were half asleep because there's some nice old lady at the front of the room mm-hmm. uh, speaking in very you know endearing terms about some nonsense and yeah. downplaying. I mean, they would they would actually downplay uh, the I guess you might say the harsher right. parts of our religion. Absolutely. And they don't realize the damage that that they're doing. They're well-meaning, but man, there's got to be something new uh, to get people in. Well, I mean, yeah. It's not good. I just, circling back to something that was mentioned earlier is um, jailhouse converts to Islam or, you know, Nation of Islam or cults like that. Why in the hell do you think that all those black guys and all those Hispanic guys in prison are converting to Islam in droves because it is the first masculine, strong um, manifestation of any sort of a creed. Now, the creed is Luciferian to the core, but it's the, it's the first masculine manifestation of belief in a creed that they have ever seen in their lives. And they're in. They're in right now to the point that they will commit suicide. A lot of them will commit suicide. Uh, within it, within just a, a very short matter of time, you say, "Well, and that clearly isn't. Uh, that's nothing to be emulated." Well, I, I'm not saying that we should be emulating the proselytizing practices of of the the Musloid political system. What I am saying is that there's something to be learned about um, Doctor. Point about masculinity, virility, potency, and not this. This video game playing, um, doughy, pudgy, sitting around whining, I do whatever my wife tells me to do, Let, let's go home and watch sports, and, and actually it's, it's, uh, it's your old man who gave me the, the absolutely fantastic line about grown men running around with another man's name scrawled across their uh, scrawled across their shirt and I, I remember hearing that decades ago and saying damn that is exactly <laughs> yep. right that is exactly it's, right it sums it up yep yep it's so sad it, it, they, it's just like everything else you know there's there's truth to it to, uh, to a lot of lies or else they wouldn't work and there's there's reality to a lot of this fake stuff you know men Men crave, you know, sports and athletic competition. They crave militancy to to a certain degree, mm-hmm. uh, and they've been able to replace that for the average Christian man in, in America uh, with these very unappealing church experiences uh, and with sports, with professional sports, and yep. and they it scratches that itch just enough for them that it kind of keeps them in their little box. Um, it's really sad. I mean, honestly, if I if I didn't have faith, if my faith, I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, I guess, but if my faith wasn't as, I guess, committed as it is, the Novus Ordo church experience is very, it turns turns my stomach a little bit yeah. at a lot of points. Oh, you're, you're not alone. Uh, yeah. the, the priest that I, that I had here before, he actually, he angered the local bishop, I think. That's my suspicion. And I think he was, moved to another parish because of it. The guy that came in to replace him, very nice, but very a little older. Uh, nice guy. I haven't actually interacted with him too much. But 
overall, you know, the average experience there is, you know, music that sounds like it was written in the 70s. It was. uh, Sung without enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, With uh, my dogs are barking in the background. I don't know if you can hear them, but uh, (laughs) they're singing. They're singing singing Nova Sordo hymns. (laughs) Might as well. Gather us in. Gather us in. uh, Your dogs are singing. Gather us in. I mean, it's all Peter, Paul, and Mary, and and Peter, you know Garfunkel, and yep, that's just garbage. Well, and I mean, so unappealing to a red-blooded man, you know. Well, and let, oh, speaking speaking gross. of red-blooded men, let's just let's say what needs to be said. A lot of the reason why men have just checked out of the Catholic Church in the last fifty, sixty years is because they they see so much homosexuality among the priests and for for a psychosexually sane man to see a gay man and then to be expected to respect him and you know be be on board with all that queeniness and campiness most psychosexual psychosexually healthy men will just say that's it i'm out i'm not i'm not having anything to do with this you wouldn't expect them to go to a gay bar why in the hell do you expect them to go to a gay church so i mean and that's a that's a concern for me when we have kids i i don't want them to see that as an example yep exactly you know we're gonna have to find a traditional Latin mass to go to, but even there, I mean, it's even there. reservations. It's it's not a guaranteed thing. And so I don't know. It it really is sad because you read these accounts of the crusading priests and these, the old popes and stuff, and they were men and they would, you know, they led men into the, the Holy land to go to war. Can you imagine local, uh, (laughs) Uh, Father Gary, uh, or whatever. And, Kevin. You know, Kevin. He can't even. He can't even stand up to the women of the church nope. when they want to do something stupid. Yep. Uh, they run the church. These these sort of middle aged to elderly women. Yep. Uh, they're sort of portly, well meaning uh, ex hippie chicks. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, yeah. it's it's really painful. It's it's easy to get this to, to feel despair sort of creep in, but we know that it's all going to work out. So, well, and got to keep the faith. What I would say is, is that in your personal situation, maybe the whole fact that you are at some point in the foreseeable future probably going to lose your job, and that is going to result in you moving. And the place that you move to, you might be within walking distance of a daily trad mass parish and then life will change. So it's all, it's all happening. It's all unfolding. The divine providence is perfect. Um, we obviously have to fight on the ground and fight every day. Just keep going, keep going. But, um, also you always have in the back of your mind that no matter what happens, even if it ends up with my, me laying out in the middle of the street with a bullet through my head, that could conceivably be some sort of a, a stepping stone in the, in the linkage of the divine providence where this happens, that happens, that happens. Remember, all of the apostles except St. John ended up greased and 
nobody was saying, well, this is all a waste of time. And No, 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 no. However it goes down, it's going to go down how the divine providence wants it to go down. And our job is to cooperate, give him, give him everything we possibly can to work with, give him something to work with. Whereas if you, if you, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go well, ahead. if you if you well, lost... I was going to say, I mean, look at how how the church grew within that first four to five hundred years when oh it was gosh. illegal in yeah. many places yep. for them to even exist. They did so well. In fact, I think that our uh, <laughs> I think that the Christianity, the, at least the nominal Christianity and the tolerance of nominal Christianity Christianity in our society has actually, in some ways, been a detriment, mm. uh, and especially mm. the sort of liberal liberal outtake on it. We will do very well as a church in the coming years when things get really disgusting, mm-hmm. when things get really hard. Uh, it's it's going to be trial by fire. It's going to be purification through fire. Yep. You get, you know, you don't get beautiful golden jewelry uh, unless the gold is smelted and put through fire. And, and I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to, the, the wheat and the chaff are going to be separated by trials and tribulations the church does not do well in these easy times ah well said uh, of liberalism so i think that the future actually is dark but i think that it's going god turns every everything to the good in yep. the end yep and so boys and girls it's you can't be saying that you're going to run off to eastern orthodoxy which is kind of the big the big thing that's being pushed right now by like trad Catholics, believe it or not. And there's some trad intellectuals who are like leading pseudo intellectuals who are leading the charge on this saying, that's it. Bergoglio, the papacy's bullshit. We're going Eastern Orthodox and people are just, the comm boxes are just filling with this. Okay. You're, you are just so off because you're saying to use your gold into the, into the furnace metaphor. You're saying, nope, we want to, we want to keep, the gold out of the furnace if, if you run off and do that. And also, by the way, you're also in schism and um, that ain't that ain't good. And you shouldn't want to be going to your particular judgment in a state of objective schism, which going Eastern Orthodox is. So especially if you're if you're in the in the Roman Catholic Church and you and you walk away from it. The, you know, our Lord is infinite mercy. I don't know what the situation is with all of those people, you know, east of whatever the line is in Eastern Europe, where mostly all of those people are Orthodox east of a certain line. They were born into that. They've been, their culture has been in that for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. They know, they basically know nothing else. That is different than you right now being a trad Catholic in the church and and saying that's it i'm done i am rejecting this i am walking away and i am going into something which i know objectively is schismatic that is a whole different can of worms and again that all goes to our lord being the judge of souls and boy thank thank god that he is the one who has to do that because None of us should want anything to do with that, judging that sort of a situation. But man, just don't do that. Jump into the furnace, baby. Burn, burn all the impurities out. Yep. Exactly. And look at the quality of our enemy. I mean, there. This is some high quality satanic, <laughs> satanic troops uh, marching your way. You don't run away. 
Mm-mm. when they're marching on you. You don't assume that you're you must be. I must be among the bad guys because we're under attack. Yeah, I think, man, I must be part of something that's worth attacking. They've they've infiltrated some stuff. They, you know, they're yeah. You, just because the the enemy's engineers have undermined the walls of your fortress, that doesn't mean you're the bat. You're in the camp of the enemy, right? Uh, you got to keep fighting. Uh, and I'm all about it. It's going to get ugly. I mean, they've already, you know, they're burning down churches all over the world. They're attacking statues and, and icons and all these different things. And they're attacking Christianity. I mean, just look at this. I don't, I, politics pisses me off uh, these days, but look at this Supreme Court justice. The fact that she is a Catholic individual is a huge negative for them. They are attacking. That's one of their well, of main course. things that they're attacking about this lady. Yep. And and that I mean that what an honor. That's mm-hmm. excellent. I, I think that's amazing. Uh and so yeah, just stay the course. Let's, Let's we gotta do get this. more united, not less. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. All right. Well, my friend, we are at a buck forty seven, which is kind of our traditional wrap it up time. Um this this has been absolutely fantastic and uh if you make some notes about other things that you that you'd like to <laughs> what it, you said in one message yeah. to me that you were preparing your your Alex Jones um <laughs> go, go off you know <laughs> make some notes oh, yeah. about some other things that you'd like to go off and and we'll definitely do this again but I can't thank absolutely. you enough. I can't thank you enough. It's been really good. Thank you and oh, yeah this has been awesome. Thank you for uh, having me on. Talk to me. And yeah, let's do it again sometime. All right. Be assured of everybody's prayers. And I have to do the little wrap up. Um, Super Nerd produces everything. So even though, even when he isn't in voice on the show, he does all the post-production and all that stuff that I really don't enjoy doing too much. And so he's going to be post-producing this soon. If you uh, if you find value in the Barn Part Podcast and you'd like to throw a little something-something at Super Nerd, his website is supernerdmedia.com. Um, and I always wrap up with um, the Matthew 17, 20 intention about the anti-papacy. Fourfold, of course. We fast and pray. Fast twice a week if you can and just pray without ceasing at this point that um, Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living vicar of Christ since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, because that boy ain't Catholic, um, that he, in the fullness of time, dies in the state of grace and someday achieves the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repents of whatever he might need to repent of, that he likewise um, dies in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieves the beatific vision, because nothing less than that will do. Um, I have masses said every day for my benefactors. Don't forget that, guys. So um, benefactors and supporters, no purchase necessary, batteries not included. So if you're, if you guys are ever get down having a bad day or anything, just stop and remember that you have had the holy and august sacrifice of Calvary offered for you, your intentions, and the salvation of your soul every single day so it can't be that bad of a day it can't be that bad of a day if you've been commemorated at the altar um can't thank everybody enough as always and i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up again thank you so much and thank you guys i'm ann god bless